life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. I have a new Lotus lesson. You do? I do. And it has nothing to do with the way the car works. Car's working great. I'm glad to hear. Car is, is wonderful. I, I, I washed it, it this out weekend. Lately? A little bit. Okay. I washed it this weekend. And of course, that car, as we've learned from prior Lotus lessons, if you've been following along, has to be hand washed. Oh, yes. But yes, now yes. that the alarm is dead, 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 dead. It will never resurrect. The alarm is gone. You made sure I, I, of I practically that. dance around the car. I'm so excited the alarm's gone. But that means I can wash it with impunity. There's nothing that's going to get randomly wet right. and scream at me. And and the noises in the garage at random times at it's night. Not, it's not during possible. The day, the, that stopped. The, the alarm ceases to that exist. All which stopped, I'm thrilled right? by. Okay, good. So it Glad is. So I'm having to do Paul certified uh, pre-owned uh, washing style. Yes. Even though I'm doing it like a third as well as you do, but the car still sparkles and looks nice. Oh, good. So I took it to the last. What will probably be because of weather, the last cars and coffee before the snow hits. Oh yeah, so right. I took it this weekend. Right. I was. I've uh, realized I was out of town. I was traveling. I know you were. I've realized something very funny about that car that I didn't think about until I've owned it for a little bit of time. I end up being a car that a lot of people walk around and talk about. I've never owned a car like that ever. It's pretty cool, huh? And a lot of people walk around that car and talk about it, and it happens more so because they watch me unfold myself from the car. Of course, of course. And I parked it beside... This will never end. We know this, oh, know. That, that you getting in and out it's is going to be a source of endless fascination to people who have never and seen this before. And there's a video coming, and I parked beside this guy, the friend of ours, local friend of ours, uh, Jeff, that drives a, a, a Golf R. Okay. He always laughs at me when I get out of his car at Cars and Coffee. But he made the comment where he said, congratulations on making my Golf R look like a truck. Because he's right. The <laughs> Lotus parked beside it looks like a truck. It does. And people start walking around and are boggled by how small it is. And invariably, over the course of Cars and Coffee, because you and I are both this way. We just we have cars. We excite, want to get people excited about cars. We share our cars. Yeah, you want to share it. Yeah. So when people are starting ask, asking questions about how roomy is it, I open the door and I say, get in. So there are Which people, also blows them away because most owners are not really like that. I guess. I guess. But it's – you just know what? Not. Get in and try it. So I had three or four people get in this Cars and Coffee. And the same guy, Jeff, made a comment where he said, I'm waiting for the Cars and Coffee where you have a little stand and a bucket and it's a $1 donation to get in the Lotus <laughs> because I practically could charge admission. It's like the tip jar on top of a piano. Just about. So he's he's thinking I really ought to charge admission because I'm letting so many people get in the car anyway. So I anyway. actually like that a lot. Yeah. So just that was the Lotus lesson this week. Is like that, sitting in my car? Would you just leave a small donation? People are, are genuinely surprised at how tiny it is, and it's, it's exacerbated by me unfolding myself, praying mantis style from the car. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Back to the podcast. We've got a couple of great debates here. Mm -hmm. Joel in Montrose, Colorado. He's looking for a special third vehicle, and it's not often that you and I get requests for a vehicle and he's open to any manufacturer true he's just kind of open here's yeah. my budget 40 mm -hmm. grand what go. do we do what do we do yeah what, very you know true. he's looking for something that he can call his baby mm -hmm. that which could just be a special fun car only which is a very interesting he's he's got some geographical questions which we haven't had before either and that's really cool yeah we've also got a, uh, another car debate coming up from reese in uh, seattle hello reese uh, you are a friend of dale who we did our uh, lemons yes. race with we were talking about you of course yes when, uh, when i was visiting dale just recently so thanks for writing and we've got a cool one there we've also got uh so we want to talk about the tesla thing in a minute but before we do that i actually want to talk about two other the things okay first off the laguna track day is happening yeah that's coming up we've announced that on the last podcast mm -hmm. all the information is at everydaydriver.com slash adventures 
but we have officially announced this November 17th track day in conjunction with mm-hmm. ncracing.org. Yep. Yep. So you're going to be there. That track day is going to be Friday the 17th, and then we're going to have a drive on PCH on the 18th. This is very much an a la carte trip. You can do as much or as little as you would like. Right, right. So there's a way on the website for you to kind of sign up and, and put your name on our list, if you will. And we'll have an itinerary, and we'll know who's joining us where. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be pretty casual. Think of it almost like an extended meetup. There's track time, there's meals, there's a nice fun drive. And you can do any part of it, all of it, Absolutely. none of it. Absolutely. Well, you can do you, it. You got to do some of it. <laughs> you, can do it at, you can do it at your budget, which is great. But please keep in mind, the biggest thing to note about this event is this is bring your own car. Right. And helmet, by the way. So well, true, true. Helmet for track day as make well. Make sure yes. you you do that. So ncracing.org, that signs you up, pay your money directly to them, mm-hmm. gets you on track, and you can choose. And what's great is you'll see that they have a traffic signal. Mm-hmm. So you can actually see how many signups have happened at about 70% through the yellow light. The amber light will yeah, illuminate, yeah, yeah. therefore telling you, okay, it's getting full, track yeah, day is getting yeah. full. And there's also with this, if you've never been on track before, they do offer driver instruction mm-hmm. for ten or twenty dollars more, something like they that. They have a driving school, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. nothing. So if you're afraid, you, you know, Laguna Seca, never been on track, that kind of thing, you yeah. can include the driver instruction. And these guys are great. They've been running the track days a long time. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. They're fun it's be and really cool. safe and all that stuff. So. Look at that, and again, bring your own helmet and car. You will need both of those things. For sure. Also following up on uh, podcast number 211. Remember, all our podcasts are actually numbered now for handy reference. And that, and uh, honestly, that's as helpful for us as it is for you. So podcast 211, Mar- Mark wrote back in. That podcast, you may remember, was called Mod Until You Like It. Because Mark's <laughs> right. question was, he had an Audi, and he already had an APR tune on it, and he didn't really find it as fun as he wanted it to be. And it was a big question about, do I keep modding this? And both you and I, Paul, said, no. Leave that as your fun worthwhile, nice commuter, go get yourself right, a fun right. car. And we were recommending S2000, you know, early Porsche Boxster. You even found a cheap Cayman, like the cheapest Cayman in the U.S. was in his budget. <laughs> and uh, we also recommended exactly. the Miata. He ended up buying an NC Miata, and he and his wife are in love with it. And I love that you wrote back in, Mark. Thank you very much. He even sent photos of the car it's and cool. both of them in the yeah. car, just looking delighted. Mark, congratulations. This is fantastic. Yes, NC Miata, six-speed manual in Micah Green. And the best part is he got it from a Porsche dealer for $8,000. $8,000. That's <laughs> shocking. And it looks gorgeous. Well done. Yeah, well bought. And uh, the coolest thing is he, he's never had rear-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. So experiencing this brand-new world, and he got into it for such a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. huge. For I sure. love that you got that car. So for sure. thank you for writing to us. Thank you for letting us know. We always ask you guys, if you do get something... Mm-hmm. Whether or not it's something we recommend of or course. not, no. but it sort of lights the fire. Hey, yeah. I've never had a rear-wheel drive car. I've never done a manual mm-hmm. transmission. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is, we love hearing those stories, and we love telling everybody else because for sure. people love hearing about, hey, you bought this for eight grand. you yeah. kidding me, and you no love kidding. it? No kidding. Done. It's really good. Thank you, Mark. So let's move on to Joel's question. Joel's writing to us from Montrose, Colorado, but a lot of times we don't specifically say exactly where somebody is, but this is relevant here Yeah, because yep. he talks about being kind of near nothing in Montrose, Colorado. Right, right. As far as big cities are concerned, he's five hours to us in Salt Lake, and he's five hours to Denver the other way. Way up in the mountains there. So he, he loves to mountain bike. He loves being in the mountains. He loves all of that. 
but he's thinking about how much does my location geographically affect me for what car I buy. Now, the closest place he has, like big cities, he's got Grand Junction an hour away. Now, Grand Junction's not a huge city. Not huge, but it's good size. It's good size. It's good size. He's got Glenwood Springs two and a half hours and Grand Junction one. I mean, he's kind of in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, but it is gorgeous, which is why you live there. So his question is, I want to buy a fun, fun car. He's got a decent budget. But he keeps coming back to – you notice this? He keeps coming, kind of returning to, can I do it because I'm near nothing? Right. This is interesting. My parents honeymooned in Glenwood Springs. Funny. funny and they drove yeah. through Vail, and they thought, this place is going to be nothing. It's going to amount to nothing. They had an opportunity to buy <laughs> property in Vail, oh, and my dad man. turned it down. So I always goon him about that. That is funny. He's like, no, nah, this is going to be nothing. Here it is. Vail, you could have owned property in Vail. Are you kidding funny. me? So thanks for writing in. Joel, this is great. He's got a bulletproof 97 Forerunner, which in which his mountain bike lives. It so lives is, in it. He never takes it. Unless he's riding his mountain bike, you say, can find it in the Forerunner. These are the two options. Stays in permanently. He can go 30 minutes any direction, be riding. So, of course, that stays. The Forerunner's mm-hmm. going nowhere. And part of this is he's a school teacher that's moving towards the end of his career, mm-hmm. thinking about the future, yeah. thinking about just enjoyment. He's had no real experience in his email here driving super hot cars and right now doesn't think he'll be tracking. <clears throat> that is until the bug bites you. Well, but he's, but he's not that close to anything track wise, but you are close to great roads. Yeah, so that's going to be the other thing about it. Well, he says here that he has owned, we have owned exclusively Hondas and Acuras. Mm -hmm. And up to this point, the coolest car that he's owned is a 2006 Acura TL they bought in 2008. And it's cool. He's always loved 911s. He's not really locked into that. And he doesn't love American muscle. Mm -hmm. This is shocking. I mean... But that's okay. Yeah, I mean, some agreed. people don't like Porsches. Agreed. Some people, sure, that's of course. perfectly fine. Of but course. fun to read about this. And he's left it open for us. Mm-hmm. And this was the headline mm-hmm. when we started the podcast. He's left this open. What do I get for $40,000 yeah. that can be his baby? Mm-hmm. Something that he drives about 5,000 miles per year. And this Which will be nothing. the third vehicle. Yeah. But to your point, what he's asking is geographical location, proximity to a shop. Mm-hmm. Not just a dealer, happens? but yeah. just a shop. Hey, something went wrong. Yeah, Denver's five hours. So, of course, Denver's Salt Lake's five other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt Lake's the other way. He's just kind of going, all right, what do I get, mm-hmm. to, you know, based on my location? And then, uh, yeah, just in general, what do I get? Yeah, so that, that sure. comes into play. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking fun car, sports car. Again, this is going to be his baby. Mm-hmm. We've got 40 grand to work with. And I, you know what? I followed a very specific, almost sniper shot rabbit trail here. I oh, I've never put that together, a sniper shot rabbit trail. Anyway, but... Uh, what does that look like? I, I don't know. It, 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 it only <laughs> hits one target, but it sure is circuitous getting there. Look, what is that photograph? It's like, like the crazy straw of bullets. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. it, it's, it's going one place, but it's going to take a minute. That's gotcha. what it is. Gotcha. So anyway, so I, I have kind of sniper shot suggestions for him, but I want to specifically speak to these questions about location because I did some research and was kind of surprised by what I found. Oh, Oh, really? So I'm okay. very curious where you went because I kind of have a car to land on and then a whole other thing to talk about. Ah, I'd love to hear this. I thought about this era of cars, and for all of us, it's like two decades back. Okay. Maybe one decade, but generally like a decade and a half, two decades back of all the cars that we lusted after beautiful machinery sure, that are sure, now sure. in our price range mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then also cars that you find beautiful examples of and you think 
why would you spend forty grand on that when you can you can have a brand new forty grand something else? Mm, interesting. But the car itself holds a bit of mystique and magic. And when you find a really well preserved, well taken care of car, sure, sure, you think, huh? Should I? Yeah. yeah. And my list is comprised. You'll get the idea when I read my list here. But this is what it's kind of composed around. Mm-hmm. And I'll just start with a Nissan 300ZX. Yeah. Like the 90 to 95. You don't even have to spend 40 grand to get the budget. nicest you one on the You don't even need half your budget. You'll be gorgeous. Yeah. So I'm thinking in this, you sure. start to see what I mean. Sure, sure, yeah. And you think, well, why would I spend 30 grand on a you know old car when I could have? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because that's, that car is still relevant. And you're only and driving 5,000 yeah. miles a year. Yeah. That's why. So you're not relying on it. It's not going to be the mm-hmm. for sure, you know, for sure. the daily, all that kind of stuff. But it's just going to be the pleasure car waiting for you when you're ready mm-hmm. to go out. So like I started it. there. Like it. Okay. Of course, I had to add the 928. Porsche 928 is on the list. Sure. Can still find gobs of them. You're still shopping at half run. the budget. I'm applauding you. You are way below budget I'm, right I'm now. Trying. Well done. Well done. I, I will push on the budget. Of course you will. Don't yeah. worry. I'm waiting. Paul I, Limiter's I'm, coming. I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> The car that actually Dale and I got into this discussion because he's got okay. a 996. Sure. But I'm of the mindset the Carrera 4S, 996 Carrera 4S is going to be the next car that starts to rise in value. Interesting. We'll maybe. see maybe. nice ones. Yeah, maybe. You could even put winter tires on this, Joel, drive it in the winter. Our friend Jay locally just got an unbelievably yeah. clean one. That he 20? bought from the or like twenty one, yeah, yeah. He bought it for for cheap, but he got it from an owner that was meticulous with it and had done the IMS at the same place you and I get our work done, Concourse Auto Works. Fantastic. So Bob's full records, great. IMS was done. It was like, why wouldn't I buy this car? Yeah. Two more here: E thirty nine BMW M five. Ooh. I mean, four hundred horsepower. Yeah. Manual yeah, yeah. transmission. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're just putting low miles, it can stay beautiful, shiny. Mm-hmm. Well taken care of, and you just mm-hmm. just take it out for the joy ride. And then the one that my uh, I, I think works for Joel here, okay, because okay. he's Honda and Acura guy. Remember, you can yeah. probably see where I'm going. Uh, I do see where you're going. Yeah, for forty grand, can you get an early '90s NSX? You could. You That's where could. I'm going. Yeah, that would be your baby. You're already an Acura guy. Yeah, I like that. They do run, and it does speak to the problem of service. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you, normal Honda dealers can still they'd be. You know, whoa, what is this thing? Oh, yeah, okay, we got to order some parts. But, but they could still take care of you. Outside of thinking. body panels, it's a it's an older Honda. It's a 90s right. Honda. Right. Yeah. And so for that reason, yeah, I think I like that. I NSX, like that. first gen, probably early to mid-90s, those are holding their value. They're, they're hmm. not going down any further from here is my thinking. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's almost that. like get in while you can. Go get sure. yourself a 40, sure, sure. $41,000 There you go. There you go. Something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. It's still nice. Maybe it's got 60,000 miles on it. Who cares? Who cares? You probably will find yourself driving it more than you thought you I would, I hope Joel. so. I hope so. That's a great one. I hadn't thought about that. You are in a great era of cars. And you're not in an era that I dealt in at all. Okay. So that's interesting. But I, I like all of those. You see what I mean, though? No, it's completely. Just, no, no, you know, no. Should but, I buy the older thing that's really nice when I could get a $40,000 brand but, new something? But here's the thing about Joel's situation. He's buying a fun car only. Right. And, and if, right. if we're having that first-time experience in a fun rear-wheel drive car, those cars from the 90s to the early 2000s are far more analog than our stuff now. So it's a feeling you aren't going to get by buying something new. Yeah. And so why yeah. not? I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Here's, here's where my head went. I'm so curious. This is great. I'm glad that you did research on well, yeah, because and all kinds because of Because two, two things really struck me. 
as he's kind of breaking down what he likes. Okay. The budget of 40K is, is a healthy budget, but he keeps like three times in the email he talks about his location. It, it's, right. it's, it's, it's concerning him. Yeah. Which, okay, yeah. valid. It's fine. I also think about the fact that he's talking about as he gets closer to retirement and because of this car, whatever it's going to be, he wants to take fun drives to either Salt Lake or Denver. Sure. Because let's be honest, between either of those places from where he is, there's some good roads. Oh, my God. He's going to take fun drives, Beautiful. but that means he's going to be in the car a long time. Okay. So I'll just speak right on my own doorstep. The Lotus Elise is out. You can get one for 40 grand, but get a five, nice one for 40 you could, grand. But, but, but five hours in your Lotus Elise, unless it's an awesome road the whole time and your wife is unbelievably tolerant <laughs> is not the way to go. Right. So we've got to get a little more, we're not going grand tour, but a little more nice to be in than something like an Elise. So Elise okay. is out. All right. So then I thought, well, you could get Navora if you get an early one, but can you get it serviced? And then I thought you could right. get an, an Aston Martin Vantage and can you get that serviced? Oh, another problem. But then I came back to something Joel said. Okay. Almost in passing, he says this in his email. Right here in the middle, he says, my dream car. This is a guy who's never bought a sports car, ever. Never had a sports car. My dream car has always been a 911. Right, right. I noticed this. Okay, hang on. If you're really shopping for your first fun car, and you have always, if that really is the word, always lusted after the 911, then I'm just going to say, as the guy that just bought an Elise after drooling on them for a decade, go buy a 911. That's okay. true. If you- 996 or 997. <laughs> Stop with denying grand, yourself, in other words. Why not, why not just go there? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Because you, you've reached retirement. You're going to have a car that's fun. But five hours in a 911? Okay, that's fine. Oh, sure. Okay? Oh, so yeah. 996 or 997, you could shop either one. Yes, make sure that's had the IMS done. But two things then struck me because we're talking about service. Okay. Make sure the IMS is done ahead of time. Right, right. Make sure you get it from somebody. And I would actually shop either Salt Lake or Denver because then you can go to the car without it being too far out of your way. Go to a well-respected shop in either place and make, it, make sure it has a shakedown before you even take it home. But then the research happened. There is a website that I am shocked exists. Okay. The web sh- <laughs> website is called pcarshops.com. And you can put in your location. And Joel, my friend, there wow. are... I've got, let me see here, shops, actual independent Porsche mechanics that other Porsche owners take their cars to. There's one in Montrose, two in, one, two, three in Grand Junction, one in Glenwood Springs, and one in Durango. You're kidding me. So, okay, I, and look, I, I just looked this up just now. Dirk's German Car Repair in Montrose, Colorado. They are on this website as servicing Porsches. You could knock me over with a feather right I now. Could, I, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. But then there's, then there's four listed, three listed in Grand Junction and one more in Glenwood Springs. So my point here is, <laughs> where do you get your Lotus serviced? I don't know. I'm in Salt Lake and it's hard but to get it serviced. I, I was where say, do you get your Aston Martin serviced? I don't know. But your Porsche, it's down the block from you. Wow. And, and I will also say this as in general about, about these kind of brands. We've said it before. The Porsche probably isn't going to have random things go wrong. Big services are very important. Get sure, it done right. Yeah. But in general, they're not cars that just randomly break. But right in your backyard, there it is. So you've wanted a 911. You can get it serviced locally. Just pull the trigger, Joel. That's what I'm saying. Who are the people behind this website? I know. I know. And wow, Andy Powell. He's trying to help people find. It's great. Porsche repair shops. I mean, what about, you know, the Avora and being Toyota-based? It is. For the engine. Mm -hmm. What about Toyota dealerships? Would they even touch it 
or would they not know enough about the the extra parts that are not specific to Look, to I think if it's, if it's engine transmission, they'd be fine. They'd be a little confused because stuff is not where there's not in the front. What's going on? Right. They'd be a right. little confused. But like my Lotus, I get serviced locally by our friend Cole and his Life Motorsports, which is a fantastic race shop. They are a race prep shop. Okay, and Cole went with us on pilgrimage two years ago, and his shop is killer. But the reason I'm going there is because they have multiple people locally in Salt Lake who race their their Lotuses, both both Exiges and Elises, and they get them track prepped at Cole's shop. So he has a guy there that just knows, let, let's be honest, just how to jack the car up properly and then take the clams off. Right, That's right. specialty stuff right there. So that's the stuff where your local Toyota dealer is going to be a bit confused. If you need oil changes, if you need uh, you know, engine and transmission service, they're probably going to be fine. You get anything beyond that, they're going to be a little confused because it's just not a car they've ever seen. Right, right, yeah. But the PCAR shops, this I is know, great. I, I'm shocked. So, so there you go, Joel. Right in your backyard, you've always wanted a 911. I just say you've happened to have picked the car that I think you can get serviced locally. And you've lusted after it. Go do it, my friend. And I'm not even the Porsche guy of the two of us. And I'm still saying go do it. This is great. Wow, I love this. All right, shaking things up just a little bit. Before we take a break, there's a a question that a number of you have written to us on social media about Tesla Mm -hmm. recently. And I just wanted to address this before we take a break, as I said. This is Tesla firing employees unexpectedly by the hundreds. And we think it has to do with the Model 3 production. And I wanted to touch on this just a little bit. It's odd, isn't it? I mean, you know, the tacky part of me wants to say, oh, so that uh, that fiefdom you've got going on there not working out too well, is it? You know, if something screws up, well, is it the fault of hundreds of employees? And is that the solution right now? I agree with you. When you're actually behind on production, you're disappointing investors, you're disappointing buyers. Is that really the smart move? But again, there's a bit of speculation on my part because we yeah. don't know the full story. We have We're no just idea. reporting they fired those employees. But companies do this all the time, and it could be because of a particular program or a particular yeah. arena. Yeah. Maybe they've tried this other thing. That didn't work. They decided as a business to go to a different direction. It might not be related. It might not have anything to do with Model 3. It might be people. You're right. It might be people on some Project X that they haven't even talked about yet. That that right. entire project got killed right. and all those people go out the door. But I agree with you. The, the headline of it is very strange because the dual headlines here are Tesla can't make the Model 3 fast enough, needs more people. By the way, we fired hundreds. Right. Those don't calculate well. Now, again, we don't have here. any idea what's going on behind the scenes, but that is a almost laughable com- combination headline because they delivered like 260 or so uh, Model 3s so far. The 400,000, the person that is number 400,000, <laughs> you're years out, my friend. Go buy right. something else to tide you over. For it's going to be a lease while. or buy for yeah, like yeah. three to five years before you get your car. I mean, I'm reading here in the news articles that between 400 and 700 positions are eliminated in a mixture of administrative sales and manufacturing positions. So that could mean, hey, we're thinking about expanding stores over here. And that yeah. whole team and group was related to expansion in this area or something mm-hmm. like that. And if you change a business model, you change direction. Sure. I get it, but it just doesn't jive. And the headlines, there, there needs to be clarification, especially that, you know, the fact that their production lines are running at the tenth the speed of what they want them to. Yeah. And the models just aren't coming out. People are... I think giving them a hall pass, and they're just continuing to be patient. They've had a hall pass for a while for in a lot of areas. how much longer Agreed. is my question. Agreed. 
So I find it intriguing. I don't find it to be a good business decision at first glance, but you yeah. never know the story behind the story. Definitely not. Yeah. So, wow, but you'd think they'd want to be hiring 400 to 700 people to go make the cars yeah. rather than yeah. other way around. All right, guys, we will take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, Dick Enberg here, and I'm mighty excited to announce the start of my new show, Sound of Success, right here on Podcast One. For 60 years, I've rubbed shoulders with sports greatness, from athletes in the world of football, baseball, college, and professional basketball, golf, tennis, the Olympics, and so much more. Join me as I explore in-depth stories from the greatest figures in the world of sport, and I'll share a few of my own. Download new episodes of Sound of Success every Thursday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, and Podcast Oh, my. Hey, folks, Amazon lets you shop auto parts, tools, and accessories very quickly and easily from your PC or mobile device. They also offer free shipping on millions of items for Prime members. Amazon carries top brands like you've heard, K&N Filters, PowerStop, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and more. And the Amazon Automotive Store has a massive selection of parts, accessories, tools, fluids, and more. You can even shop for tires on Amazon. So check your fitment online for millions of parts using Amazon's Part Finder tool. Just enter your year, make, and model, and Amazon will tell you if it fits. You can buy with confidence there. You can use customer Q&As, you know, all the reviews of everything on Amazon. They're there for auto parts, too, so that's really cool. You can get the right part the first time. You're not an automotive expert. That's okay. You can check out Amazon's library of automotive video content. You can find that at Amazon.com slash MyGarage. Honestly, didn't even know that existed, and there it is. You can learn to install an air filter. You change your oil. You want to find out how to do stuff. It's right there. In addition to where you're looking on YouTube, you can find it on Amazon. You can go to Amazon.com MyGarage, again, in your vehicle information start shopping right now and i'm going to say it again use promo code driver at checkout to receive five dollars off select orders over 25 dollars the limited time restrictions apply visit amazon.com slash promo terms for details let me tell you about pete who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the nhl Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day. When he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. Welcome back. We're moving on to the second car debate here. Mm Mm-hmm. We've got Reese up in Seattle, Washington, who is a friend of Dale. You will see him in our Lemons race as one of our drivers. He actually instigated it, and he teased me for calling him the instigator, but that is exactly what he true. is. It's very true. He reached out to us and said, you want to run a Lemons race? And we went, if we can show up and drive, sure. And that now will be an episode <laughs> of Season 2, which starts in January. A couple of you have asked about our current status on Velocity. I want to touch on this really quickly. Oh, absolutely. We are not currently on Velocity, and here's why. We're an independent production. For Velocity. We aren't a right. Velocity-produced right. show. Now, when Velocity produces a show, if you've ever watched Velocity for five minutes, you've noticed they rerun their stuff like crazy. Ad nauseum. It may have run at prime time on Friday night, but you will see it Saturday morning and Saturday midday and Sunday midday, and on and on it goes. They right. rerun it like crazy. Right. We're an independent producer on there. 
So we will be back in January of 2018 for 13 weeks. That will be season two for us. Between now and then, we own the rights to all our content. They aren't rerunning it. So if you're looking for us on Velocity right now, you will not find us. However, we are returning again January 2018, 13 weeks. And in that will be that Lemons race, which I'm very excited to share. Nothing to do between now and then either. No, I'm, 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 all I do is sleep yeah. and eat. That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, Reese, thank you so much for writing in. We're thrilled that you found us. I'm glad you're listening to the podcast. Reese's story here is very unique. And in keeping with two themes here. I noticed. Again, there's, noticed. there's two threads in this one. Yep. There's always a thread, right? He's a Porsche family. He and his wife are a Porsche family. Big time. They currently have eight Porsches, mm-hmm. and Dale described them all to me. They range from a 1964 Porsche 356 all the way to a 95 911 C4. We could have shot 50 years of 911 with just wow. our friend's Reese's garage. Wow. Just just showing up and shot that. Just there you go. That's insane. <laughs> it, it is kind of look, Reese. Thank you for writing in, but Absolutely. you may have a problem, my friend. That's a lot of Porsches. <laughs> That's insane. So they're planning to have children and would like to find something that's a little bit better suited to hauling kids around (laughs) and the plastic detritus in your wake. Yes. Since her 1976 911 doesn't really fit that bill. For sure. Okay. So the budget that they're working for is working with is $60,000. Wow. Okay. They came in under budget. It would allow them to shovel all the rest of that <laughs> cheddar over to the Porsche collection. It's, well, they're, they're okay. in the world. You notice they're also in the world of all air-cooled Porsches? Yeah. Pretty cool. It's just an air... Pretty cool. It's like Magnus Walker you've heard of. <laughs> Reese is the guy just below him you haven't heard of. That's kind of the garage we're talking about. It's nuts over there, okay? That's great. That's great. All right, so 60 grand. All right. And his wife is looking for cars. But the other part of the thread is they've always owned a forerunner. Yeah. And would be open to that as well. For sure. For sure. So again, as I said, Reese's wife. Hello, Reese's wife. Yes. Thank you for letting us debate your choices here because she is interested in, with her friend, <laughs> some timed events, some rally style events. Yes. Time, speed, distance, rally style events, TSC events. And so she's looking at Porsche Cayennes. Yes, because they're Porsche people, yes. But Land Rover Defender 90s or 110s have also caught her eye, Uh as has the G-Wagon, or what else? What else is on our list? Or the the fill-in-the-blank. That's true. There's always a twist there. There's always something in there, which I love. So, yes, Porsches, but I do like that you're open to considering other stuff in the SUV realm. And this, again, will be for kid hauling duty, Mm -hmm. general traveling about... The TSD rally events, mm-hmm. but this is going to be a I, significant addition. Here. I agree, and you know, I like that the forerunner's been discussed. I think it's fascinating the places you've wound up. I mean, you actually did say you're kind of half tongue in cheek, Reese. You said, you know, because I do want my kids to be dropped off in the daycare in a car that looks cool. <laughs> so if it's not going to be the air cooled 911, it's got to have something with some swagger. But it's not just swagger because it does need to do these rally style events. So. I went somewhere kind of unexpected here. Oh, you did? Yeah. And uh, and I actually I have kind tell. of an overall thought. And then I kind of related to the things I've already brought up. And then I went somewhere I haven't recommended in a long time. Really? Yeah. All SUVs then? Well, I have one that I really am like put on the go drive this list. Because okay. I, right. think, I think with Reese and his wife, yes, the Cayenne checks the boxes. Yes, it does. Let me just speak to the ones you brought up real quick. The Cayenne, yes, would check the boxes. Sure. If you're going to drive that, I'm going to say it. You need to drive the X5M. Find a used one sure. of those. Drive that for sure. sure. Good. It's in the same world. The Defender 91 and 110, 
they're very cool. They're very stop and look. Two problems. <laughs> One, they are wildly overpriced. The ninety, especially, I would say they're just they're just wildly overpriced. Yeah. Every time I hear the price of one, I'm, I I kind of have to step back for a second and go, "Do you know what I could get for that?" I just no matter what condition they're in, I feel like everybody that owns one, the biggest rattle trap rusted out one, is worth twice what I think it should be. <laughs> so that's the problem with the Defender and the people I know that have had them. They don't seem to be bomb-proof vehicles that just want to run. They seem to need money. Yeah. So you is, pay too much and then you issue. pay to keep them running and now you want to rally? I don't think this is a good combination. I mean, it's the I ad- of cool versus I just want it to run. I agree. And I admit it's cool, but I, honey, here, take the Defender. Best of luck to you on your rally is not a conversation you want to have. <laughs> so I think that's, that's – I, I don't love that, honestly. The G-Wagon is in the same kind of vein. The G-Wagon is technology from the 50s. Sure. That somehow sure. has survived. I just – I think the Cayenne and the X5M are better choices if you want to go this route. But none of those are the one I think are the lead car. Really? Okay. Do tell. You want me to dive on in? Please. Okay. We've got sixty grand to spend. We want some swagger in the drop-off line. But we may, because of this rally event, <laughs> we may actually use it as intended – means it needs to run yeah one of the things i like about this is if i think you should shop newer so you have warranty and it doesn't have a ton of miles for this price ford raptor (laughs) for 60 grand can you get them slightly used maybe right maybe like a year but 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 that's right about the price point where they show as being base is like 60 (laughs) <laughs> but but here's what I'm thinking. That's go, cool. Go rally That's that and run over really anything. Cool. <laughs> okay, run over whatever. But but if you get in those, especially you get the the the, the full cab ones, the, the four door ones. Yeah. Tons of space, but it's tons of plastic floored space. So when your kids invariably spill something, you go, "It's the Raptor. What do I care?" Oh, this it's is pretty good. much brand new, so it's going to run. And best of luck to your wife breaking something on any rally she takes. <laughs> What I want to see break things she runs over. Seriously, what I want to see is your wife does the rally on the weekend and gets the car filthy, filthy. Don't wash it. Throw the kids in the back. Let them spill something on the way to the daycare and roll up with mud chunks still flying off the knobbies when you drop them off at daycare and you're done. I am grinning over here. I think it's I'm this, staying right this there. secret part of you desperately wants a Raptor, I, which for, I love. For reasons I have no use for. <laughs> I, if I had I a Raptor, I would never get on a plowed road all winter. I would just go, there's a field. Let's just go through that. <laughs> I'll make my own freeway on-ramp. Why not? Oh, I love that. That's excellent. Excellent. Well done. It needs Very to run. On point. It needs to run. I just keep Which thinking about will... wife and kids. Go recent. Go rally. Go daycare. <laughs> Again, apple juice spilled on the floor of your Raptor. You don't care. You hose it out and you move on. You know, to this point, the other pickup truck manufacturers, and I'm including Japanese, don't have something that levels up to the Raptor. They have their special editions in the off-road they get and close. blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nothing is like a Raptor. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. you can jump that thing. And I, I'm sure you've noticed with every generation, the badging gets bigger. Now Just they're having trouble. They're having it. trouble fitting the word Raptor on the rear tailgate. It's the, the font's actually crowded now. Like six cars back, you can read. Oh, that's a Raptor. 
not because I know what a Raptor looks like, but because I can read the tailgate right. from back here. Right. And the Ford logo on the grill is so wide. Uh-huh. It is the grill. Oh, it is the grill. It's ridiculous. Yeah. God. No, my, I love those. My choice is pale in comparison. <laughs> this is great. I really like those. All right. So Reese, I'm going to start with Cayenne. I love your Cayenne choice. You know what I want for your wife is the 2010 Cayenne Trans-Siberia. It was a model. It was that orange and black one. They yeah. also made it in black. Kind of silver the color, but it is cool. With orange accents. Yeah. I don't love it. Yeah, from a color scheme Graphics standpoint. Graphics are a bit over the top, but it is cool. I loved the concept, though, because it harkened back to the Rothmans 959 Dakar mm-hmm. Rally. Mm-hmm. They have that in their history, and I kind of wish the Cayennes would come in the all-road version. Yeah. Where's, you know what I mean? Where's Here, here the, we talked about Lexified. We talked about Lexified before. Where's, where's the, the Raptor-fied Cayenne? That would be awesome. That would sell to like 100 people. And all of them would use it to go through Starbucks. But it would still be cool to see. True. But I I think, I mean, you know it would be an incredible off-road vehicle. It'd be killer. And it it would get people using their Cayennes more for off-road and camping and all that stuff. Maybe. But yeah. You know, parking in a ski lot, parking lot. I like that. I wish they made it again. So you could go look for one of those. They're Mm -hmm. really hard to find. Of course, they're not the newest, latest, greatest Cayenne. Sure. Very interesting. I also thought about the G-Wagon. I'm going to say... Generally, stay away from those, not because they're not good, but if you are going to get one, get the NATO version of the G Wagon. Go get yourself like the, the militarized, sure, you know, throwdown. It not only could handle <laughs> spilt sippy cups, it could handle like mortar rounds. Yes, <laughs> right, right. You know, whatever you need. So that's that's really you know that <laughs> those can be. Honey, I hit a tree. Well. Is the forest okay? <laughs> yeah. But then I came back. If you are going for the Range Rover proclivity here, sure, sure, sure. I do love the new Disco. The okay. all-new Discovery okay. is actually, in a weird way, Range Rover is really hitting my boxes here. It's checking it my boxes I over here. I, I thought about the Velar, but I actually saw one in the Salt Lake City parking garage at the airport. Okay. And okay. I drooled over it, but I think not for off-road, not for yeah. the rally kind of thing. Yeah, Anything else? So cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. wanted one. I love the design. <laughs> I'm all about these. Yeah. The Union Jack is, motif is embedded in the seats as pinholes. So it's Range like Rover does mini? Leather Sorry, perforation <laughs> in the seats. Yeah. The Union Jack. It's pretty cool i like these but the discovery is really interesting we mm-hmm. saw a couple in europe when we were there yeah yeah and uh that could of course take the abuse it's different not everybody's gonna have one fair you fair. have to you know like the proportions and like the styling but i think yeah. it's pretty cool it is so i'm up there but it, it has a usable uh, third row a raptor fied cayenne yeah i'm telling you oh the raptor fied cayenne I, again a hundred people would buy it and none of them would use it as intended but it would be very cool to see but how many people use their Raptors for, you know, hey, kids, we're yeah. doing the Baja 1000 this weekend, so finish your homework early yeah. because we need to get out, out the door. Strap down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Raptors too, but still. Yeah, I, definitely. The Cayenne hunting vehicle, Cayenne shooting brake, <laughs> Raptor fied. Yeah. Anyway. Ridiculous. Wow. Reese, thank you so much for writing in. We love hearing these stories. And uh, if you've got your own everyday driver, tv at gmail.com, write to us your car debate with your story. And also on the website, everydaydriver.com, you can get a hold of us there, and that both populates to our email, and mm-hmm. we scroll through and read everything. One of us reads everything you send, which it sometimes, some days is daunting. Some days I just sit down, 
with something to drink, which I don't drink alcohol, but some days I start to think I should. <laughs> but anyway, sit down with something to drink and just spend a couple hours and just start reading and catching up. And sometimes we're writing back to you. So if you're sending stuff in, we are reading it. Mm-hmm. So what we would ask in return is share this podcast. Agreed. Tell a friend about Agreed. it. Give us a rating and a review that helps us stay in the top 10. But we definitely want to hear from you. So thank you to all of you that are writing in. Jump into the questions from social media, but they do tie in to car debates here from okay. Scimitar Star here on Instagram. He writes about what makes a good debate question, which you and I have hmm. never actually addressed. Okay. We've never really talked about this. Okay. There's no ground rules here. There's, yeah. We've left it open. We've not said, hey, you know, you got to compose it like this. We do True. just, you know, be easy on us. You know, two yeah. pages is The two-scroll rule is plenty. Yeah. You know, go easy on us. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we love to hear your stories around that because – I've told you a lot now. I think everybody loves listening to the story and the life situation and people's lives just as much as they love hearing our car recommendations. I think there's a it's real the life interest, category the story that. around yeah, it that's yeah. something unique and it ties in. And that's why I try to find these threads through mm-hmm. the car debates. For sure. Forerunners. For sure. We never talk about forerunners. And both of these guys have forerunners yeah. in their lineage and they love Porsches. Yeah, for sure. That's unique. For sure. Absolutely. So that's why I chose them that I way. But hence, we're reading everything. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a particular recipe, but it's nice to hear something, you know, some cool twist. You've got dogs. You've got yeah. this in your life. You've got... This is everybody buying know. a car. This is every single person buying yeah. a car. You yeah. wind up in what you bought for a lot of specific reasons. And maybe you didn't make a good choice, but still you were influenced by the things that are the reality of how you use your car. Yeah, and that's what right. we're here for. So right. those are as big a factor as somebody riding in. We, we, we make the joke about, well, guys, I want to buy a sedan with $25,000 need to be all-wheel drive. WRX. Welcome but, to WRX, Bill. But what's the story around it? Well, I've owned 10 Subarus. Well, we're not going to recommend the WRX to you. Well, let's get you right. something Tell else. Tell us that crucial you know, piece of information. But, but, what, but I'm going to go right. back to the basics, though. Okay. Be sure. This sounds maybe obvious, but honestly, sometimes people get so excited about the story, they do forget the basics. We need to know your name. We mm-hmm. need to know where you are in the world, and if, and if that relates to weather, that's key. Definitely. And what's your budget? Budget's helpful. That helps A us. lot of times people will write this great story, and there's no budget included. <laughs> right. So now right. we're guessing. And, and a lot of you do a really good job of this. Thank you. If there's stuff you're already considering, that's helpful too, because that gives us your headspace. Even if we go off into the weeds, stuff you've right. already considered right. is interesting, because that gives us the, the, where, where you are currently. Mm-hmm. And people will forget various parts of that equation, but those are the things that are key. Yeah, agreed. All right, keep us going here. What stuck out to you? Uh, well, Robert wrote in on Facebook and said, okay, the uh, inter- international highways, the, the, one of the people that test stuff, the IIHS, I never know what any of these acronyms are. People who test. Thank you. They, they recently started testing headlights, part of their safety stuff. So he's okay. saying, what do we think should be tested that currently isn't? Hmm. And I read this and went on to another question, went on to another question, and then I was struck by what I think should be should be tested. Okay. They should be testing what is required for you to interact with heating, cooling, and radio in a car and how fast and how much time your eyes are off the road. While because moving as we get yeah. to more and more touchscreens, I fully believe that eyes are coming off the road more, not less. Mm-hmm. They should be testing what is required. Now, I realize you may have a situation where you've got buttons on the steering wheel and you can still learn that. Ta- it's that tactile thing. The tactile thing is where we get muscle memory and where we get the ability to do something without looking. But having to touch a touchscreen where submenus change, that requires your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish they yeah. were testing that. I mean, that's the thing. It's a great debate about functions buried deep in submenu yes. after submenu. Yes. And you 
you've got to push that to go into there and it mm-hmm. gives you a new screen deep in the weeds of, mm-hmm. I just wanted to turn on my rear window defrost. Exactly. Where is that yep. button? Turn it down. How fast can you turn the volume up or down? Volume up or down. Quick, go, think, turn it exactly, down. Exactly, Heated seats, uh, turn on the air conditioner. Uh, right. You know, these kind of right. things. Look, I understand there's settings on the submenu of your car. You're not going to do that every day. I get it. I'm talking about the basic things and how fast, and not only how fast, but I, I really, you know they could test this. How long are your eyes off the road? Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, that's excellent. On Instagram, Mr. Kid thirty seven is asking, "How long do we wait when warming up your cars oh, during the winter one. months? Do you wait until you hit a certain oil or coolant temperature, or just you just base it off of time alone?" Mm-hmm. He lets the oil warm up to around eighty degrees when idling. Then he drives off and keeps his RPMs low and stays out of turbo boost until he hits one hundred and seventy degrees or more. Mm-hmm. This is a debate. You can find a lot of information all over the internet everywhere about sure. should you just start your car and start driving or do you let it idle do you warm up i've thought about this and i've done this for a lot of years in my own driving experience i'm going to say when you start your car start driving it as soon as you can now there's a caveat when we're at yeah. rsr mm-hmm. and they're firing up a race car particularly 911 gt3s <laughs> they do let it sit there and warm up a while because yeah. We're not just instantly taking it out on track. Yeah. So they have let the cars warm up a bit sure, before sure. they take it out because it's hard to do track laps while you're warming up for track laps. <laughs> this is a problem. Waiting yeah. for track laps. But generally speaking, drive your car immediately. Modern cars are designed to do this. And by modern, I mean anything from the 1990s forward. Yeah. They're designed to do this without fail. And here's the deal. It gets the engine temperatures up to speed more quickly because the engine is under load. Yeah, yeah. Idling, the engine is never under load. It's just idling. It's just that. It's not Mm -hmm. doing any work. Yeah. And that's what warms up cars because the work is emitted as heat Mm -hmm. in cars. Mm -hmm. That's why they have radiators. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Electric cars, of course, are an entirely different story. Yes. You'll have mysteriously less battery power in the morning when it's very cold. Yes. Yes, you will. But I will say you don't need to let it idle even in winter, because you want the heat to get blowing sooner, Mm -hmm. drive your car. Just start driving immediately. Our friend Jason Finsky over at Engineering Explained did a really good video on this a while back where he was kind of talking about what does it require, and his conclusion was similar, and that was just get in your car, start driving. I'm going to say here's my variation on that. My variation is how cold are we talking? Okay. Because I'm going to give you two two frames of reference. The cars I keep in my garage, it's, it's six degrees outside outside but the garage is still 35 or 40 right right get in the car start the car go of course done of course but the first year i lived here i had my sabaru i was wanting you to talk about this and it parked outside and it had to be a very very cold winter and i happened to have because it was an 05 subaru product a slightly leaky power steering we were talking more than 10 below were we not on a few mornings few mornings it was yeah look at the temperature and scare yourself for sure but anytime it was below about 10 okay Two things were, were possible. One, the car had trouble turning over initially because it was so cold. Sure, the battery itself is and cold. Then, exactly. And then, and you could just feel, everything just felt sluggish, you could tell. But then also because it had this slight leak in the, uh, in the power steering, it meant the power steering fluid was nearly frozen. So, oh, it was, so yeah. in those situations when it's that cold, and the Mini will be parked outside this year, so this will be a factor as well. I'm wondering about this. I don't have an actual oil temperature gauge on the car. But I have a car temperature gauge, which is much more common in most cars. 
uh, I'm sure there will be very cold mornings where I will start the mini and let it sit there for just a couple minutes because it's it's six degrees outside. Oh, sure. Get fluids Because you just got to get right. stuff moving beyond the fact that it got that cold. Again, the stuff in the garage, drive it now. Drive if it you're talking yeah. about yeah, yeah. 30 degrees, you're talking about 25 degrees, get in your car and go. You're talking yeah. about the singles or below zero, give it a minute. Right, but you don't need to wait twenty. No, no, no. It's not, you no, don't need to let it sit there and warm used, up. And there used to be that thing where yeah, we're going to need to start my car and I need to right. let it run for fifteen, twenty minutes. No, no, that's not necessary. But I also appreciate your comment about not dogging on the car until it gets up to temperature. That is key. And some Absolutely. cars will stay out of like the Lotus is a great example. The Lotus will not let you go on second cam until the car warms up. Mm-hmm. Its red line is all of a sudden fifty five, six, fifty eight hundred instead of. 8,200, because mm-hmm. that's where the second cam is. It doesn't let you go on the second cam until you're warmed up. That E46 M3 we love, right, right. that has a gauge that says, sorry, when we when we started that on a not that cold a morning when we shot that film. It was film, doing it then. It was showing yeah. 4,500 RPM was all that was available when I started the car. Yeah. That car revs to over eight. Showing <laughs> me 4,500. Just give me a minute. So some cars are even <laughs> smart enough to do that. So you shouldn't dog it early until it gets up to speed. But the starting thing, I think, is entirely based on temperature. You'll find, as a, a last note on this, a lot of cars, especially SUVs and trucks, have the remote start built into the key fob now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not for warming your car up, what we're talking about. That is simply to make the interior of the car warm. That's really <laughs> yeah. all that feature is for. You're sitting having breakfast in a diner, and it's very cold outside. Yeah. And I'd like my car to be toasty when I get into it. This is the reason why the yeah. Tesla has it in the app. <laughs> right. The Tesla's not – you can heat or cool your car. In fact, the, the guy Dax that loaned us his Model S, we first yeah. did the Model S thing. Yeah. He was talking about when he first got the car, he took his family of seven, which all fit in the Model S. Crazy. L- watch that video. It's hysterical to watch them pop out of it like it's a clown car. But he talked about going to a movie at like 105 degrees in Salt Lake in August. And right before the credits rolled, he reached into the app as the credits rolled and turned on the air conditioning in the car. Because by the time the credits rolled and they gathered up the family and they walked out and they got – the car was cool now. Sure, sure. So this is the reason for remote start. You're right. It's for personal comfort, not car comfort. Not the car. All right. What else? Uh, well, let's see. Um, okay. I have to go here. Mystic Negro, Negro, our friend George on IG, he wrote to me. Okay. And he so wrote to me saying, okay. When you're married, as I am, as George is, there's a series of compromises, and often it just tries to chop your car love off at the knees. And you wind up at something where you can't believe you drove that car. (laughs) This This is a reality. So he says to me, okay, for him right now, he just got a Ford Freestyle for the theoretical thinking of we need more space. And he's asking himself, how did I end up here? (laughs) <laughs> what sequence of events exactly. in my life what brought where, me to this Where moment? did I go wrong to now be driving <laughs> right. this car is kind of what he's asking. So he's right. kind of saying, what car was that for me where I just said, what's going on, man? We used to be cool. <laughs> and I would say, first off, George, I will say this. I was never really very cool. <laughs> so I saved, saved, I kind of dodged a bullet there because I saved myself. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, the turning point was getting the 300ZX for me because before that I had a series of terrible cars. Yeah. So I had kind of the reverse problem where a lot of the cars I had were weird, hand-me-down, not good things. I had a first-gen Explorer I drove. It was my wife's car prior. She got a Wrangler. manual, as I recall. Manual first-gen Ford Explorer. Inexplicably the loudest, not exhaust, loudest engine I have ever come across. Just mechanical noise? That car just sitting there. 
idling is shockingly loud. To this day, I, it's, it's like buried in my memory somewhere. I can hear an Explorer like four cars over and go, that's a first-gen Explorer. Because the engine just has this very loud you know rattle. That? It's crazy. So that was, not a, that was not a high point. The other one was the Audi 90 that we got into for less than five grand. That was interesting because it was the first German car I'd owned. But it was a money pit. And it was this weird little thing that I only enjoyed driving when I hooned it. Because it was just small enough, it was fun to be hooned. But I kept kind of going, "Is that my car, really?" Hmm, sure, oh, I love that. <laughs> All right, so Christoph MM on IG here, he's asking, he's post- posing the theoretical question of, "You're now in charge of making one car for any brand you want at any price point. Mm-hmm. What car do you build? Front wheel drive, all wheel drive, rear wheel drive. What configuration? What kind of engine? What is it?" You know, dynamics or hypercar, supercomputer, ringtime hero, or a Miata successor, or some sort of luxury car with gobs of power. This one was easy for me, Christoph. Okay, okay good. It's going to be Kia, and it's going to be hmm. Kia does a real Honda S2000, and Ooh. Kia does a real Mazda MX-5 Ooh. or FRS BRZ competitor. Okay, okay. Because they can, at that price point, They'll have some sort of turbo motor they can drop into it hmm. and make it beautiful with the way they're going with the Stinger GT styling. Make it beautiful and compelling and inexpensive for all of us. I I say Kia, and it's going to be manual transmission. And all right, maybe they might not sell as many as I think they will. But what about Kia making a Miata? Huh. What would that look like? A sure. beautiful shape, sure. the size of an S2000. With that, you know, some turbo motor, because they just seem to be the enthusiast brand up and coming with the i30N, their N division, then they'll have an N version of that car. The NN. The N the N squared. Yeah. It's the new Hyundai N squared. And I know you guys keep teasing me for making fun of or for loving Kia so much. Your extreme love of Kia and Hyundai. It's weird, but I just see their styling going in a great direction and their enthusiast, their racing history. They're actually Mm -hmm. 50 years old, Hyundai and Kia. Yeah, okay. They've got racing history. They've got rally history. They're not nothing. Yeah, and okay. I just see the. You've got a thing for. I want to go sketch. I want to go design. You right should now do that. And, you should do that. I love it. I you love know, it. bring up a design and say, "Build yeah, this guy." That's and, cool. I don't know. All right, I, I have, I have a thought on this. Okay, I'm going to go a place that is expected initially, and then I'm going to twist it All right. because I've talked before about the fact of hello GM Chevrolet. Where is your Oh, yeah. Twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars sports car. Where is that car? It doesn't exist. And, and I, look, I know, I know. Where some of you were screaming Camaro, but I'm talking about you know the Fiesta ST and but Ford. Something lighter than a Camaro. Twenty thousand dollars. Twenty-three, twenty-four. If yeah. you load it out new, where is your little tiny sports car? Right. But right. I'm going to twist this and say, hang on. Okay. Let's make Corvette into a, a sub brand that is the American Porsche brand. Let's leave hmm. the current C7 lineup like it is. It'll become – I know the C8, the Zora they're talking about maybe for real this time. Maybe there'll be a quarter-million-dollar mid-engine Corvette. Make that quarter-million or $300,000 Corvette that is mid-engine. Leave your front-engine traditional setup at around seventy grand. Hmm. let us make one that's thirty. That is the FRS or the S2000 for Corvette. I was going to say, still under the Corvette banner? Still under the Corvette banner. So you're selling three cars now. And that becomes a full-on enthusiast kind of American Porsche brand. So you have a $30,000. Think of 
Think of if the FRS was crossed with the Camaro DNA. That kind of idea. I mean, I under fear weight. I mean, oh, yeah, what but we love would have, about that would have car to be under so 3,000 pounds. It has to be under 3,000 pounds, rear-wheel drive, that. And if you could do it right, and GM does this pretty well, you'd have some sort of platform. They'd have some sort of, it's the Z platform. I don't know what it's called. But that platform would get reused elsewhere. Take that platform and make a small rear-wheel drive four-door for Chevrolet, and it is used as a small, light two-door for Corvette. Mm. This is good. Chevy needs to do this. And could you add technology for either of our ideas? Could you add some sort of electric assist or maybe they're both electric or whatever? Those platforms could take it for the future. Of course. Start now with gas engines and then look ahead to future generations morphing. But keep the weight, keep the fun, keep the dynamics that Mm -hmm. we're looking for. I like that. I like the idea of having a, a Corvette lineup. It's not just a car. It's a lineup. Mm-hmm. And what, what I mean, because this, this was the, you know, everybody raises the pitchforks when Porsche does it. But look at how many things are under the Porsche brand now. What are they? They're still considered an enthusiast brand. Well, Corvette yeah. is an enthusiast-only brand. Very true. So let's make the hypercar. Let's we make get a the Corvette SUV. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because come on, you've got G, you've got GMC course, for that in the course. Chevy lineup, which is ridiculous. But the performance enthusiast SUV. Yeah, I know. That's a niche that two people will buy. Yes. Well, you know, SUVs are selling. There you go. Wow. No, great question. I uh, I want to put more thought to this, but that's I think off the top of both of our heads, Christoph. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear yours. All right. So uh, I've got a question from A McFarland here. Instagram, he's asking if you'd ever lease, if we would ever lease with the plan of buying the car at the end of the lease. Hmm. Would you go into the lease thinking, I'm going to buy it out? Quite possibly. Generally speaking, leasing is not that mindset. That's the whole point of leasing is, I just want to taste different cars. I want to try them out, Mm -hmm. get in and out. You're essentially paying to rent the car. Yeah. I'm just wondering if the leasing model changes with what we're seeing, the growth of, you know, Cadillac ride sharing or car sharing and the the subscription model, the subscription model. I'm wondering if leasing morphs a bit, but generally speaking, I'm going to say no, unless it's a car that you really love. Yeah. But if it's a car you really love and you know, kind of going in, are you going to lease a BMW M2 and then just plan to buy it out? You might as well just buy it from the beginning. Theoretically, if you know you're going to keep it for a long time. There's, that's the big question. I think, I think the only way it happens is because the car surprises you. You lease it because you want to taste it and you're not sure. Mm-hmm. And then it comes around to, do I want to buy this out? Because the truth of leasing is, are you, is it pay now or pay later? If you buy up front, it hurts up front. You paid True. a lot of money and, it, and you lost all that money. You'll never see it again. The leasing, oh, I'm getting this car for cheap and three years down the line. If I want to keep it, it's going to cost me a lot. Hmm. Right. Or problem. you're way over mileage and then you have to keep it or you have to buy <laughs> or it out. you have out to you pay, pay a lot of extra just save to, money. to unload it for sure. Yeah. I would be interested to see your point that does leasing become that's the subscription model or you can buy the car. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting to see if that happens. You see Sanjay's question on Facebook here about coach building on top of electric car platforms. Mm, mm. He's asking about a resurgence in coach building using the electric cars that don't want the pods. So are people going to have the modular pod thing yeah, and you can yeah. go get the custom coach work done on top of a Tesla Model 3 or the Bolt mm, or mm. something like that? Possibly, but now there's going to be a slate of Velocity shows that are just that. We're doing coach building on top of the pod, the electric yeah. car platform, and yeah. you're building whatever you want. 
maybe it's the bones of something and they're cutting and welding and building you a new driving enthusiast pod. But that is theoretically the way all these cars are going to be built, is that they are essentially a driving platform with a body on them. So it suggests mm-hmm. what we're talking about. You just have body on frame idea. You're kind of working your way full circle now with electric cars to some degree with the batteries in the floor and the, the engines by the wheels. You kind of can. I mean, this is what Faraday has talked about from the beginning. Yeah. They've talked about making yeah. a modular car. Their first one looks like a minivan, but their first concept car was this white interior one-seat race car, and it was theoretically the exact same uh, platform. With an F-16 canopy. So, so the modular thing is theoretically coming. I think that's more likely. I think the modular thing is more likely than the full-on coach-built. What will happen for the full-on coach-built will be the people – the sheiks or whoever the people with crazy money that just want to have something nobody else has, they'll do the coach built thing. Mm -hmm. But I think the modular thing will come for sure. Mm -hmm. No, agreed. Well, there's also Jordan Stone's question on Facebook as well. He's asking for how do you recommend starting improving your knowledge and skills when you're working on cars? Mm. Where do you start? That's hard. It is difficult. However, I've got a couple ideas and that is, first of all, if you're interested in a car, a Subaru, a Mazda, whatever true, that is. True, true, Go buy one mm-hmm. and start doing service yourself yeah. because it's going to open up a world of, well, I don't know how to do this. Where do I get information? Welcome to forums Yeah, because many, if not all forums, have the basic DIY list of For oil sure. changes, For breaks. Sure. Hey, this is going to go wrong. Here's the fix. Expect to do this. You can dive in with forums. There's, of course, all the the repair manuals that you mm-hmm. can get at your local auto parts store or online. Yeah. I mean, the Porsche 928 repair manuals are still like 350 bucks. Good grief. But there's, I took there's the repair in, manuals. I took the interior out of my Lotus twice. <laughs> and, I, and I removed the alarm and did it entirely based on forum DIY photos and descriptions. Fantastic. So keep, keep this in mind about learning to work on a car. And I am not suggesting dive into whatever you want. There is stuff that will be over your head initially. There's amazing things you can learn. I love your idea of getting a car that you aren't too precious with and just wrench off. I love that. Force you into that immediately. You're going to start scouring all the information. But keep this in mind. Any car on the planet, well, except I suppose there's a few that are exceptions, but in general, any car that most of us listening are actually going to own was built at speed on an assembly line. Mm -hmm. So what that means is it can't be overly complex. It can't be you're going to be in this station for the next two hours while we find to. It can't. I've got to get these screws done, get this piece on. I've got 30 seconds to a minute, and now it's moved on. So my point here is while cars on the whole look very complex, the individual parts, as you start to break it down step at a time, it's done kind of simply. Hmm. It's just very complex because of all of the parts. So don't be frightened. And yes, forums and YouTube videos, and I know Amazon's got their videos now, all of that re- is great reference. And I, I live and die by the forums. That's that's a whole reason I tore into the Lotus is because yeah. I could oh, just yeah. do it. Absolutely. Any other questions left for you on here? Uh, there were a couple others. There were actually lots tonight, but there are a couple others. And uh, I wanted to talk to David Watson's question on IG real quick. He said, do we trust car reliability review sites? Oh, like the and consumer I'm reports say, and all and the those JD kind Power of and that kind of thing. I'm going to say this, David. I I actually like the consumer reports when they do the long term stuff. What I don't understand is the initial quality ratings. <laughs> the car is new. Of course, it's got good initial quality. The, the it's qu- new. The quality rating is it just you just peeled plastic off the seats. Is it falling apart? No. Guess what? It's new. All right, quality's fine. <laughs> 
What I want to know about is a year from now or two years from now or three years from now. And that's where the actual Consumer Reports stuff is actually very interesting because I, I've looked up Consumer Reports before. Years ago now, my wife and I were shopping for XC90s, and I happened to notice that one of the years was far more problematic than every year around it. I dug in, and I finally found, oh, it's this engine and these parts, and they replaced that. Mm. This mm. is the long-term stuff. That's helpful. The initial, you just bought it or a year old, it's a new car. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. But the stuff that is four, five, six, ten years old, that stuff, and Consumer Reports is kind of the only place I can think of that really does that all across the board, like all models, that stuff I find actually very helpful. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. There's uh, a, a question here from ER Zipper on IG as well. Any plans to do a piece on the turbo economy enthusiast cars like the new Civic mm. SI, Elantra GT? You're in luck. As yeah. a matter of fact, we're yeah. shooting that very soon, and that's going to be part of our velocity season, which sure. eventually wind its way to YouTube. For sure. So yes, the answer is Definitely, that's that's where our headspace is at. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've got a good range of stuff happening season two. I'm very excited. It's all kinds of things. We've got very affordable cars. What we're kind of calling this area, which is kind of the lukewarm hatches again. Yep. We've got the lemons race. We've got the big boys. We just shot with the GT350 Man, and the ZL1. It's gonna be good. It's all over the map, and I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait. Any last questions before we wrap up? No, that's good for now. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much again. If you've got your own debate, write to us at the email and on the address, the uh, the website there. And then for just random general stuff, find us on social media. And we always ask on the Monday and Thursday before we release the podcast, mm -hmm. generally speaking, unless we're traveling or have uh, you know something in advance. But we'll always let you know when we're about to record so you can post some questions. And we love that you do. Thank you. Guys, thanks a million. Look forward to next time. Cheers. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day. When he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.